today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. And he calls people who are friendly with the world and who the world is friendly with, he calls them adulterers. Man, forget about pastoring a church today. (laughs) Calling a carnal congregation, you adulterers. To be friends with the world is to be at enmity with God. And conversely, to be at enmity with the world is probably a pretty good indication that you're friends with God. Do you want to be friends with God or do you want to be friendly with the world? You can't have it both ways. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. Living for God isn't always an easy task. We face so many pressures to conform to the world, and when we don't, we face potential judgment and loss of friends in our lives. Pastor J.D. shows us through the life of Paul that we must choose to live for the world or live for Christ. We can't do both. And while it won't always be easy to choose Christ, it will be worth it. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. with part two of his message, Spiritual Stamina. I am what I am and, listen, His grace toward me was not in vain. Here's why. I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. In other words, what Paul is saying is, I was on the receiving end of amazing grace. This is a man who was murdering Christians, thinking he was helping God out. That is a man who was on the receiving end of saving grace, of amazing grace. And so if anyone earned the right to say what Paul said, it was him. I've been on the receiving end of this grace, and this grace moves me, drives me, propels me. And this is why I labor on more than all of you. Like we were talking about last week, the one who has been forgiven of much, loves much. I would suggest in that same vein The one who has been the recipient of grace much, labors much. This is what drove the Apostle Paul. This was the fuel in the tank of the Apostle Paul that drove him onward to labor more abundantly than anyone else. And it's for this reason that Paul then urges them to make the effort, every effort, to do the same, lest they become barren and fruitless as Christians, and in so doing, they render the receiving of God's grace in vain. I love what Alan Redpath wrote of this. He says, God's grace is always coming to my heart and life in very wonderful and blessed experiences of now. Yesterday's grace is totally inadequate for the burden of today. And if I do not learn to lay hold of heavenly resources every day of my life for the little things as well as the big things, as a Christian, I soon become stale, barren, and fruitless in the service of the Lord. 
one has to ask themselves, what was it about the Apostle Paul that drove him so, kept him pressing on and laboring on with his eyes on the prize of the high calling in Jesus Christ? What was it that fueled his drive in spite of going through every unimaginable trial a man could go through. I mean, he was left for dead on more than one occasion. He was stoned to death, and he was beaten in prison. And he he grocery lists all of this again for us like he did for them then. He does for us now. And that's a pretty gnarly list when you think about everything he went through. Yet he kept pressing on. In fact, if anything, it strengthened his resolve. What was the secret? The secret was God's grace. I was thinking about this in my own personal life. I've been walking with the Lord for over 35 years now, and it doesn't take much to just kind of go back and sort of recount the grace that I've been on the receiving end of in my life. The grace that God has shown me in my life. And I'll tell you, when things are going rough, and life gets hard, and life gets hard, does it not? And it seems like it's getting harder (laughs) almost by the day, especially for Christians in this increasingly anti-Christian world that we live in, and this increasingly anti-Christian America that we live in. It's getting more and more difficult. I just come back to what I do know. When I don't know, I fall back on what I do know. And what I do know is I have been on the receiving end of God's amazing grace. And that drives me. That fuels me. That motivates me. That keeps me going on and pressing on. I've been on the receiving end of God's grace. You know what God's grace is? Try to define grace. You won't do it. I promise you, you won't do it. Grace by its very nature is indefinable. Is indefinable a word? We just made it a word. So it's indefinable. You cannot define it. Try. You'll not even get close. We're we're saved by grace through faith. It's the gift of God. It's not of works lest any man should boast. Grace is a saving grace. And I've been on the receiving end of that grace. And if you're born again of the Spirit of God here today, you have been on the receiving end of God's saving grace. And that's a game changer. It changes everything. God's grace changes everything. Well, this brings us to the second reason that Paul never quit. And it's because he lived his life above reproach. In verse 3, he tells them that he has not put a stumbling block in anyone's path, And in order for there to be no way that his ministry could ever be discredited. Now, what Paul says here is interesting for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that those who tried to discredit him were as numerous as they were venomous. Paul had a lot of enemies, and rightfully so. However, Paul lived his life in such a way that all the unjust criticisms 
and false accusations of which there were many were seen for what they really were. In other words, when the unjust criticism or the false accusation came concerning the Apostle Paul, you looked at the man's life and you looked at the accusation or the criticism and you saw the disparity between them and you realized this is not true of the man's life that I see. I'm looking at the fruit of this man's life and this accusation, this criticism is unjust. Paul was not sinless. None of us are. There was only one who was sinless. That was Jesus Christ. But Paul was blameless. What's the difference between being blameless and being sinless? Being blameless is you live your life above reproach so that you cannot be blamed justly and accused falsely. And that was the life of the Apostle Paul. I like how one commentator said it. Of course, Paul's ministry was blamed and discredited by the Corinthian Christians. What Paul means is that our ministry may not rightly be blamed. Paul could not do anything about false accusations except live in such a way that any fair-minded person would see such accusations as false. And that is indeed how the Apostle Paul lived his life. This brings us to the third reason that Paul never burned out, and it's that he had great endurance. Some of your translations render verse 4, much patience. Much patience, great endurance. In verse 4, Paul says that instead of his ministry being discredited, it was actually commended by virtue of his great endurance, much patience in troubles and distress. And in verse 5, he goes on to say that this great endurance was in spite of all of the things he went through, and the list is quite large. He starts off by talking about the beatings, the imprisonments, the riots. I like how one said, wherever the apostle Paul went, he started a riot. Wherever I go, they serve me tea. Think about that. I mean, is not the gospel riotous and offensive? It's been said that if you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the dog that barks the loudest is the one that got hit the hardest. I'm afraid in our Christianity today, we're so concerned about offending people. Yet the gospel's offensive. We're so concerned about people liking us. Beware when all men speak well of you. Jesus said the world is going to hate your guts. He didn't say it like that, but might as well have. The world's going to hate you. You know why the world's going to hate you? Because of your association with me. If you want the world to love you, you've got serious problems. <laughs> that, that's called being a man pleaser. That's what James, true to form, the half-brother of Jesus, you can't blame the guy. Could you imagine growing up in a home and your brother is perfect and sinless? <laughs> He's God incarnate. And when you read the epistle of James, you, you kind of get the impression, man, this guy pulls no punches. I mean, he just tells them like it is. 
And he calls people who are friendly with the world and who the world is friendly with, he calls them adulterers. Man, forget about pastoring a church today, (laughs) calling a carnal congregation, you adulterers. To be friends with the world is to be at enmity with God. And conversely, to be at enmity with the world is probably a pretty good indication that you're friends with God. Do you want to be friends with God or do you want to be friendly with the world? You can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. So he lists beatings, imprisonments, riots, hard work. Paul was a hard worker. And then he says sleepless nights and hunger. We're talking about severe sleep deprivation and hunger and not of his own volition. There were many times that there was just no food to eat and he went hungry. There were times that there was no place to put his head and what he was going through at the time was such that there was no way he could get any sleep that particular night. So in all of these things, he says, we had much patience. We had great endurance. Okay, praise the Lord. (laughs) But the question is, how? I mean, we're told that Paul had great endurance and much patience, but How was Paul able to patiently endure? I'm so glad you asked, (laughs) because the answer is in verses 6 through 10. It's that he had the Holy Spirit and love. The Holy Spirit and love. In verse 6 he says, he was able to endure in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in and by the Holy Spirit. And then he says, sincere love. Well, what do we know to be true about love? It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's the evidence of the Holy Spirit. In verses 7 and 8 he says, it was in truth, in power, with weapons of righteousness and glory, and it was in spite of being dishonored and being regarded as impostors. And then in verses 9 and 10 he says, He was beaten, yet not killed, sorrowful, yet rejoicing, poor, yet rich, having nothing, yet possessing everything. The Apostle Paul to me was the quintessential abandoned for Christ. His utmost, as Oswald Chambers says, for God's highest. This was a beautiful example of a life that lived with this reckless abandon. He had completely died to self. He had picked up his cross, and he had followed his Lord all the days of his life, and he had finished well. And he was able to do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine how much stress this man endured? (laughs) I mean, talk about, we talk about stress. We live in a very stressful day and age, do we not? And it's getting worse. It's, it's more intense now in these last days. But do you ever think about the kind of stress that the Apostle Paul dealt with on a daily basis? I think he handled stress very well. And the reason he handled stress very well is because he had the power of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of love from the Holy Spirit. And that's how he was able to handle this unspeakable stress that he experienced in his life. 
One of the most valuable lessons that I'm learning, especially in the ministry as a pastor, is that I absolutely must completely and totally and utterly rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. This church, by the grace of God, and I highlight, underscore, and bold that, by the grace of God, is 12 years old. It's a relatively young church. I think by some standards it could be argued that it's a relatively small church. My wife and I, uh, 13 years ago this December 7th, Pearl Harbor Day, we flew here on Pearl Harbor Day. Arabs should not be on planes on Pearl Harbor Day, but anyway... We'll talk about a step of faith right there, I'll tell you. So we uh, moved here 13 years ago on December 7th to start this church. And if you would have come to me and said to me, this is what God is going to do in the year 2016, you'll forgive me, but I would have been like Sarah. I would have laughed in your face. (laughs) That's funny. Well, praise the Lord, you know. (laughs) What, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it? What what do you want me to do here, you know? (laughs) But God, those two words, but God, but by the grace of God. You know, people will ask me, wow, what's your secret? And I love to be able to just give this answer. (laughs) I don't have the foggiest idea. It wasn't anything we did. It's not because we're smart or savvy or strong or whatever. This was by the grace of God and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, moving forward, it's like what Paul wrote to the churches in the region of Galatia. He said, you wicked Galatians, Who has deceived you? Who has bewitched you? Are you trying now to complete in the flesh the work that the Lord began in the Spirit? You know what the temptation is? And I speak for myself. As a pastor, when God blesses your ministry, and there's a measure of success, He adds to the church daily as many as should be saved, and God blesses exceedingly abundantly, it's to kind of get this notion of, Thank you, Lord. I'll take it from here. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) The moment you think you have anything to do with what God is doing, it's over. It's over. But by the grace of God go I, but by the grace of God go we. Is it stressful? Absolutely. Is there a lot of pressure? Absolutely. But when you're relying whether it's in a ministry or a marriage or a business, when you're relying totally and completely upon the power of the Holy Spirit, it's easy. I I just thought of this. Pastor Chuck Smith, in his book, Why Grace Changes Everything, draws this really interesting comparison between a garden and a factory. The garden is the Spirit, peaceful, fragrant, beautiful, nice, contrasted with the factory. Sweat, it smells, it's noisy. That's the flesh. That's the flesh. And so the question is asked, do you want your ministry to be like a garden, or do you want it to be like a factory? If it's going to be like a factory, 
under that kind of crushing weight and pressure. It's just a matter of time. No man can stand up under that. No man, even the Apostle Paul, could not stand up under everything he went through absent this complete reliance upon the Holy Spirit. If you don't, it's only a matter of time before stress will take you down and burn you out. And that was Paul's secret. I want to close by sharing with you something that over the years has been a tremendous help to me concerning burnout. It's from an old book that I have in my library written by Dr. Archibald Hart, and it's titled Adrenaline and Stress. And in it, he pinpoints the differences between burnout and stress as it relates to the effect that both can have on our lives. He says this, Burnout is a defense characterized by disengagement, whereas stress is characterized by overengagement. In burnout, the emotions become blunted, whereas in stress, the emotions become overreactive. In burnout, the emotional damage is primary, whereas in stress, the physical damage is primary. The exhaustion of burnout affects motivation and drive, whereas the exhaustion of stress affects physical energy. It can actually affect you physiologically. Burnout produces demoralization, whereas stress produces disintegration. You know, one of the things I may at some point in the not-too-distant future do is a, a study and a teaching on the devastating effects that stress has on us physically, our bodies, the temple of the Holy Spirit. There is research out now that proves that stress can affect everything, your teeth, your hair, look at me, <laughs> uh, you know, your digestive system, everything. I mean, and, and, well, anyway, that's another topic for another time. Burnout is a loss of ideals and hope whereas stress is a loss of fuel and energy. Burnout produces a sense of helplessness and hopelessness, whereas stress produces a sense of urgency and hyperactivity. Burnout produces paranoia, depersonalization, and detachment, whereas stress produces panic, phobic, and anxiety-type disorders. And then lastly, burnout may not kill you, but the quality of your life is diminished, whereas stress may in fact kill you and do so prematurely without having enough time to finish well. And that's the difference between the two. The book of 2 Corinthians has much to teach us, but sadly that's all we have time for in today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Be sure to join us again, though, as Pastor J.D. Farag continues teaching his verse-by-verse study through the book of 2 Corinthians. In the meantime, you can find more messages from Pastor J.D. by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well and receive new messages as soon as they're available. You can also download our mobile app for iPhone and Android, and you'll always have teachings from God's Word right at your fingertips. You'll also want to check out Pastor JD's Aloha Prophecy Update. 
Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. shares the current events and how they relate to the end-time prophecies described in the Bible. The purpose behind these updates is to take a practical look at the end times and how events occurring around the world coincide with biblical prophecy. Pastor J.D. hopes the information he provides stirs in us an urgency to share the gospel and make sure all have heard the good news of Jesus before he returns to judge the world. There's much to learn each week, and Pastor J.D. does a great job of getting us the information we need. You can find new and previous updates by going to our YouTube channel. Just search the Aloha Prophecy Update on YouTube. We hope today's message has touched your life and left you craving more from the Word of God. Join Pastor J.D. next time for another in-depth look at the book of 2 Corinthians, right here on In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right with you